on average across all workplaces you do around 5,000 mouse clicks every single day. And every mouse click is a mouse move. Needs almost every mouse click needs a mouse move. So on average, you are on 25%. Every day you have the mouse in your hands. So there's a huge potential in terms of not only efficiency, but also ergonomics. Welcome to this week's episode of Next Generation Design. I'm your host, Jennifer Piper. This week, we're getting super futuristic. Who needs hands to operate a computer when you can use your eyes as a mouse? One German company is changing the future of interaction through synergetic communication between humans and technology. By eliminating the need for a mouse, they're hoping to improve efficiency and workplace ergonomics in one fell swoop. Let's welcome Stefan to the show today. He's a co-founder at 42, a Munich-based technology company. Stefan, how would you describe the work you're doing at 42? What we're doing is basically we are creating the future of interaction in terms of using our eyes to control our computers next to mouse and keyboard. Regarding myself, so I'm co-founder of 42 with my partner Tori, and this is actually already my third startup. And where does the company name spelled starting with the number four, T2, come from? The number 42. You Some, some of you might uh, know the number. So regarding the question of life, the universe and all the rest from Douglas Adams. 42 is basically the idea to give everybody the tools at hand to optimally use and communicate with our devices. As the mouse is now already 50 years old. The keyboard, by the way, in the, in, in the way we use it, more than 200 years already, is, is kind of an anachronism, right? So our workplaces get more and more digitized. We can work from, from anywhere, especially during these times. But the way we communicate with our technology stays the same. And this is exactly the, the topic that we are approaching. Tell us a little bit about how your company got started. It's it's a it's actually a fun story because we we sat together um, some six guys sat together and and uh, locked us in. We thought about what would be a good business idea, and um, after mixing up a lot of things uh, and, and after one week, so it was really intense talkings, uh, in, intense discussions. Um, what can be next? What our industry trends, etc. We came up with several ideas and, and, and one of them was uh, the way of interacting with devices. And uh, back in 2013, when we founded the company, the eye tracking market was, it was still a niche market, but the touch technology changed the way we communicate with devices, the touch technology on the mobile market, etc., but not on our daily work in front of our computers. This is exactly the way we thought that we're spending so much time every day in front of these computers. And we address the way we, well, we communicate with these. If this is Outlook or if this is um, an X or Team Center or, or if it's any website, you just use your mouse every time you click at a button. But every time you do this, you already look at this button or that link. So why not skip this second step 
reaching out to the mouse and moving the mouse cursor to the button and just triggering it with your eyes. And this is uh, why we came up with the, with the idea. At the time, this technology represented a very small market. The only difference back then was that one eye tracker back then was uh, worth 25,000 euro. So it was absolute niche market. And that tremendously changed because within the last years, the eye tracking market um, went in the direction of uh, gaming. So there are several notebooks and um, screens with integrated eye trackers already on the market and almost 200 games of the AAA game vendors like Electronic Arts, etc. They already equip their latest games with eye tracking. And so the price for eye trackers went significantly south. And so we have seen within this time, we have seen a, a not niche market, a mass market coming up. And this is exactly what we are addressing. So everyday interaction. As the industry continues to grow, what trends are you seeing as we move from the old school type input devices more towards the digital workplace? The digital workplaces, everything is like making it easier to work with our application. Yeah? So using Teams to communicate, to share content, being able to be somewhere and access data everywhere on the world. But still, we use our hands to to just move a mouse cursor from one screen to another. So despite the fact that we have seen touch and speech coming to daily life in, in the consumer world, like using a Alexa or Siri HomePod or obviously touching our tablets and mobile phones, we still use the same technology every day in our work environment. And I mean, there are things especially in a, in a cat environment like um, having a space mouse or something that addresses specific uh, requirements in, in terms of three-dimensional navigation still the second hand is always on on the mouse right or using the mouse this anachronism that it's always focusing on the way what we do with our applications but the way how we do it how we interact with their buttons and, and the drop-down lists and the input fields. This has not changed at all. And this is exactly the things, if you, if you think about or if you know the numbers that you're on average across all workplaces, you do around 5,000 mouse clicks every single day. And every mouse click is a mouse move. It needs Almost every mouse click needs a mouse move. So on average, you're on 25%. Every day you have the mouse in your hands. So there's a huge potential in terms of not only efficiency, but also ergonomics. Can you talk more about the ergonomics aspect? Why is that important to address when operating a mouse? If you think, and many listeners out there that are using NX, Solid Edge, Team Center every day, they know how much they move the mouse. And there are also probably a lot of out there who suffer from call the mouse hand, right? Because there's even more, there's kilometers every day mouse move. There's more than 10,000 mouse clicks in this, at these workplaces. And while we see, as I pointed out, in the consumer market, this, this trend to also use speech and gaze, for example, in augmented reality and in virtual reality headsets, the standard workplace is exactly the topic which which stays the same, to repeat myself here. And this... That's the trend that we want to 
well jump on that the way we handle things or the way we we communicate with this technology is changing from the consumer side and that's why people are more open to change it also on the on the business side or the enterprise side Which industries are you hearing from who are interested in implementing this visual technology? In 2018, when we launched the first version of the software, we addressed the automotive industry. And by the way, fun fact, uh, uh, one of our first customers was uh, Daimler. And um, how, how we got them was, uh, I mean, we are based in Munich, Daimler is based in Stuttgart, which is like two hours apart. But we have been in the Silicon Valley for a startup program from plug and play. And there we got a meeting with Daimler. So and we made the decision to to do something together in Sunnyvale, Silicon Valley, despite the fact that we are closely uh, next to each other. So that's the fun factor on, on this in terms of innovation. Has your representation in the automotive market continued to grow? The automotive industry is is one of our largest basis in in terms of, of the customer base so if this is oems or tier ones most of the german automotive uh, large companies are customers and the why is simply because we focused on the cat market in the first place what other markets are recognizing the value of your technology so today we we also extended the the technology to be used on in the finance area in in software development, service centers, etc., and even down to the shop floor. So where the products that we all draw are built finally, right? Because there's also a huge potential of hands-free interaction using our eyes. But back to the market, I think the it was a good timing in 2018, 2019, because the automotive industry that was, uh, was has been really good times for them. And so there was not only the the open mindset for innovation, but also obviously a budget to try things out. And if you do things that um, are highly innovative, you obviously need to have people who believe in that. And, and we found this these people who believed in, in us really early and, and invested in terms of not only money, but also time to drive together the product. Because every time you create something and, and you think, okay, um, that should work, this, this sounds good. And I have personal experience in, in CAT and wines because I I studied architecture. I used CAT applications a lot throughout my life already, but this has changed significantly within the last 10, 15 years. And that's why it was very important to shape the application and the user experience based on the requirements from from the real users back then. Is there a lot of variation in the way companies use the technology in terms of how it has to be set up? So if I look at our customer base, it's across across industry. If this is banking or insurance, if this is production industry, aerospace, it's literally, it doesn't matter because if you use, for example, NX or SAP, Outlook, whatever, it's the same way you, you use it. Obviously, there's a difference what you do there, but you click buttons, you select input fields, you, you change between views, you move the mouse from A to B to C to D. It's always the same. And that's how we, how, how we look at it. So that's why it's totally industry agnostic. 
So I'd like to get really specific and see if you can set the scene of exactly how this technology could be utilized in a workplace scenario. If you think uh, how, how you when you when you sit in front of your computer and um, you're having in front uh, an X application in front of you, you have your drawing area and then you have uh, your toolbars around uh, at the screen edges. So what you do, for example, up to 3,000 times a day is you move your mouse from the drawing area to the toolbar, any of the toolbars or a dialog, just to click one button to change the um, a tool or to change the layer or something like that. And often, most of, most of the times, you go back to the very point that you took off in the drawing area. Now, what you do here is you, you basically, you, you move the mouse not to tell the system or the application that you want to have a new point added or something like that. This is basically only to change, as I said, the tool, for example. So it's not adding value in this case. Okay, so what options does the user have then? So there is two options for that. Either you you tell the system using your voice what you want to do. That would work too. And we did this also because we can combine voice control in, with, with gaze uh, together. But <laughs> it's everybody can think about that. It feels a little bit strange to um, constantly, uh, eight hours a day, tell tool names, right? Right. I can see that becoming a little distracting. Despite the fact that voice would work in this case, it's not a good fit because um, the, the words or the, our voice is meant for different things, for complex things, but not for just changing a number from one to eight or something. No. What you always do is you look at this button or this input field, and then you move the mouse or you start to move the mouse while searching for the right spot, for the right button in the toolbar, et cetera. And what our technology does, it predicts what button, what toolbar, what input field, what drop-down list, et cetera, you want to address. It predicts it constantly and once you move the mouse slightly into this direction, so you just nudge the mouse, and then it is teleported to this very button or this, this input field that you're looking for. So it reduces the mouse way you need to do 50 to 80%. Wow, 80%. That's very impressive. And all it takes is a nudge to activate the mouse? You literally nudge the mouse like some millimeters. So you don't move the mouse that much around. And therefore, it just, um, well, it's, it's pure efficiency gain on the one side. So we reduce, um, at these workplaces, we reduce between 30 and 60 minutes each day of mouse move. And, and so you have more time to focus on the actual things you want to do. And that is not moving a mouse, uh, the, the mouse around four kilometers. And on the other hand, you have these ergonomic benefits because you, if you don't use the mouse that much, you Basically, you get rid of the root cause itself. And therefore, it's not only a benefit for the business, but it's also a benefit for the user. And that's what we think is a great combination. Yeah, that's clearly a win-win situation for both the company and the employee. On top, we see that uh, more than 75% of our initial users, they say that they are really happy with the technology and it makes their daily life more comfortable. So it's a benefit for them that is kind of felt every day during their 
six, seven, eight hours in front of a PC. You mentioned prediction. So the technology is almost predicting what will happen next. There must be a part of artificial intelligence that's built into the technology. Is that correct? So the, the eye tracker, eye tracking hardware that is just plugged in into your PC via USB, the eye tracker that sends out just a infrared light. Huh? So it's like candlelight or sunlight, stuff like that. Totally harmless. Based on a 20-second calibration, which you do once after installation, the system understands where you look at. So it gives us the information precisely what area on the screen you're looking at. And our, our software then understands that there's this button or that button or this, there's the drawing area or there, there's, there's a text, there's a link in, in the Chrome browser, whatever. And based on this constantly updated map of elements that can be interacted and the information where you look at, we predict which element you are interested in. How does that work exactly? The gaze pattern is something that gives you, well, information on your interest rate, let's call it this. So if you're just searching for something or if you're really interested in something in terms of I want to click it, I want to trigger it, stuff like that, or that you are reading and, and, and all that stuff. And this is, everything is just, that's information that you can, that we use to not only trigger commands, but also to proactively support the user. Is there an example you can share to help illustrate this? If you're reading a text on email or website stuff, then we understand that you're reading based on the patterns and we see, okay, this is a scrollable area. So we just support you by scrolling the email automatically. Like in Germany, we say like a, a ghost hand. <laughs> so, so to say, literally translated, it probably doesn't work in English, but it's like somebody else is doing this based on, um, on your exact need. So in the speed that you're reading the text and, and, and the way if you're quickly jumping from one point to another, it scrolls fast for you. If you're in a deep reading mode that you're highly concentrated reading one text, then it scrolls slowly for you, but exactly like you need it. And this is a simple way of predicting because the prediction is, okay, you want to continue reading the page when you're at the bottom of the page, right? But it's getting also a little bit more complex that we can, and this is something rather for the future vision. There's something that we are working, we are closely working together with SAP as a partner and SAP that we are doing things together, let's put it this way. And one of the ideas here is to basically understand based on not only the current gaze, but also the historical gaze, the historical interaction, what you want to do, what you want to do next is a step, right? The, the historical data is one side of the story, but the real-time gaze information gives an, a very important aspect of your current need. And if you combine these two informations, then this is, um, you can get really great uh, results. What are some other important functionality aspects? So it's not only about um, moving the gaze, uh, using the gaze to basically point where you want to have the mouse cursor. You just look at a button, you don't need to move the mouse and you, you press a mouse button you click this button, you don't need to move the mouse. Therefore, you can also, for example, use the space mouse, a key in the space mouse to click any button. 
we have a dedicated menu that pops up and gives you the most used application commands. So you can have all your, your 10 most used application commands that you need every day in a specific context within 300 milliseconds. All by just communicating with your eyes? It's just by looking at a menu that appears quickly. It's about replacing and reducing mouse interaction. By replacing, I mean, if you have your hands on a keyboard while you're working in a in, in Team Center or something, and you just need to reach out to the mouse to change the input field or to change a tab or something, skip that. You just look at the tab and the input field, and you continue typing because we predict what you want to do and select the input field. But if you have your hands on a on a mouse already, then we reduce the mouse move. So the 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 the, um, the length of mouse moves basically. That's always the idea to help you in the situation that you are. So you don't need to change anything in your behavior. You move the mouse like you do today, but we save you just a lot of mouse interaction. And that's that's our philosophy. Let's talk about the user experience. How long does it take to get used to using the technology? So it depends because um, we have users that are highly technology enthusiasts that understand within the first day what the the technology is capable of and also obviously what are constraints here. And then we have users that are like in the late 50s and they they maybe take a little bit longer. It's not a tool that helps only enthusiastic users. It's more about how much of the technology you're using. As I described earlier, these different features, we, we see them in different levels. So if you just move the mouse, teleport, you don't need to change anything. You don't need to learn something. You just start after installation and boom, it supports you. I imagine that's different for the more advanced features, but in general, how many days would it take to be able to use it efficiently? As a rule of thumb, I would say something like within the first five, six, seven days, but you are more productive from day one. The learning curve is very steep. Are there ever any times when the technology does something that you don't want it to do? And if that happens, how do you correct it? Yeah, very, very important question. Until now, our eyes are sensors. They take information and our brain consumes this information, right? So what we are using gaze for is to control things. So we use our eyes not only to sense in information, but also to send commands basically by space on our gaze. So that's that's why it's a very important question here and how we use it. Basically, there's no... If you do a misclick, let's call it this way, so you you click when you actually don't want to click somewhere, that is uh, the same failure rate if you um, if you look somewhere where you don't want to look. That's our guideline. So we we the same failure rate is our target. And where do you go from there? If you use the mouse or the keyboard, it always overrules your gaze. So if you have the mouse in a specific area and a gaze action would happen there you move the mouse the mouse always stops the gaze action so that's the first thing and the second thing is that these different features that i talked about is 
the, the smart teleport, so the mouse teleport, that is something that is um, that comes in with the first functionality. So that this this first set of functionalities that you when you start working with Nuya is so then the product name I did not mention it. The, <laughs> the product name we're just talking about the technology. The product name is Nuya for natural user interaction, and it's um, it's basically the onboarding works out in different layers. So the first layer is that you just have a mouse on steroids, I would call it, right? So the mouse is just there where you want it. When you use the system and the system learns about you more and more, it offers you more functionalities because it says, okay, you're ready to do now more gaze interaction. And so every user gets his own learning path in, in, his, in his speed. And therefore, this is the way we we enable features when we think the user is ready. So it's a gradual release of the capabilities. If we would enable everything in the first place, then you would have exactly the, the point that that you might do these misclicks, as I mentioned earlier, right? And this is what we we want to um, not to happen. That's by the way we also have different speed levels of gaze interaction. So there's fast, there's lightning, and then there's the insane mode that um, some of you might know from from this car vendor from uh, the west coast and the insane mode is basically really it's it's super fast gaze interaction but you will never ever start with the with this insane mode in the first place you will come to this mode after you're ready can you talk a little bit about NUIA and how it works with the Siemens suite of tools? When we talk about the Siemens tools, that's basically in the cat environment, it's NX and it's uh, Solid Edge, the uh, PLM Team Center or the ALM Polarian, etc. stuff like this. So this is the this is the things you, you work on your daily base within these suite of applications. But you also use Outlook, you use uh, Teams, right? You use Excel. What our approach was that you don't need to change anything in your system. You install Nuya and then it works out of the box. You, you don't need to patch NX. You, you don't need to have a specific version of NX, etc. It seamlessly works like if you plug in a, a new mouse. So that's the first first guideline we said. And now what happens quite often is yeah, that you, for example, you, you copy paste information from one application to another or you look up something in a PDF and and then you go back to NX and draw something based on this information or you you chat with colleagues regarding a, a topic you want to discuss and therefore you switch back and forth between these applications and what we're doing here is that we basically we created so-called smart macros how does that differ from regular macros the new term that is coined for large macros is uh, I was uh, I was always say so. It's it's RPA. It's robotic process automation, right? But it's uh, process automation, nothing else than a huge macro that um, is doing basically automation of actually manual tasks. And what we do here is when we identify, um, we have a dedicated. We call it KPI phase. This is a um, dedicated value assessment phase that runs uh, over uh, six to eight weeks, anonymously analyzes the interaction data. In this interaction data, we can find areas where we can automate. 
So interaction that happens often between different, not only by one um, user, but by many users, etc. And this information then we can use to say, okay, there's potential for automation. And sometimes this is only five clicks, but if you do these five clicks like 500 times a day, that's heavy. And if you can automate this and just um, pull the trigger here by um, using your gaze or by just doing one click and within the context we understand that you want to interact between nx and team center or nx and outlook etc and copy paste data then you just literally pull the trigger by um, looking at a the trigger button with your eyes stuff like this and you also mentioned it's ready to go pretty much immediately so that saves a lot of time as well you don't need to patch your applications. It works out of the box. So you have the same effect in Outlook when you do mailing. So it scrolls while you read the information. You just look at an email and can keep your hands on the keyboard and just select the email by looking at it and pressing uh, uh, the trigger key, which is like Control or Alt, whatever you want to choose, right? Let's move into the future. What's your outlook in five to 10 years? Where is this technology headed? So if this is right, then I can call in five, 10 years, see, I said it. And if it's wrong, I just uh, don't talk about it, right? <laughs> what we see today already in, in the latest version of headsets and virtual and augmented reality, if you look, for example, the HoloLens 2, it has built-in eye tracking. We will not use a mouse in the future, right? We will not use keyboard in the future. We don't use a screen in the future. We will have these headsets and, and not like these clumsy headsets like it's still today, but if you think about Moore's Law, then you just think about how they will look like in five to 10 years. So much, much smaller. With technology that comes uh, secondary, like the 5G network, etc., you can move all the processing in, in the cloud. So actually, you don't need that much in the device that you're carrying with you. Gaze interaction will be the number one topic here to, to communicate and your, and your voice. And just so we have you on record for your future self to listen back on, why do you think the future will be more vision-oriented? Because, you, as I said earlier, you always look there. You already always look at something that you want to interact with. And based on your gaze data, we understand what you want to do. So my prediction or our prediction here for the future is that we will slowly move away from, from notebooks, from screens um, into a virtual environment. AR, VR headsets will be one in the near future. That's why Microsoft already calls them today mixed reality. It just depends on the use case. If you want to have transparency or if you want to have uh, complete be uh, inside a world. And if you look at the benefits for 3D environments, I mean, we are creating 3D elements on a 2D screen, right? It's just, if you think about the words, so if you have the, the chance to not only create these 3D environments in a three-dimensional world, but also experience them in a three-dimensional world. You, you, you move around them like you do today. If you, if you watch a latest HoloLens video for that, for example, it's so much better because you can so much better can see issues that might occur. You can use your hands 
in combination with your gaze and your voice to really be um, yeah, like a magician, I would say, in this case, in this three-dimensional world. How do you imagine this future vision will affect the workplace? In the future, we will have rooms that are totally empty, like the holodeck on, on Star Trek, because we don't need any furniture there. We just need space that you can freely move around in, in order to, um, to create in this. And especially the topic of creation is super important because this is what um, artificial intelligence, at least for the next decades, will not be as, as good as humans. Automation, that is something a, auto, a computer can do much better. Automate always the same things. But create new things, that is what we humans can and should do. So this is the future we predict here in terms of at least the, the space that we are into. Any further predictions? A second thing is, that's quite also interesting, is based on the case data I said earlier that you can derive what the user wants and is interested in. And this is also some technology we invested in that you, based on the case data and the information, we predict what the user wants not only to do next, but for example, is searching for. Now we're getting very advanced. What's an example of how that would work? So think about lots of data. If this is now, I mean, search results in your favorite search engine, or if this is like in your in your e-commerce, if you want to buy something, but also if you are looking for a part in, in your daily business while you construct something, you don't want to construct a, a part that is super similar to one that is already existing in the library. And we can use our gaze information while you flick through the images, what you're interested in, what you're not interested in. And based on this, we can reduce the number of search results that would fit for that and provide better and faster search results for the user. And this is some this is a technology where we already already created and, and uh, did several patents here in this area already, because this is this that's the thing that um, when we use our gaze to interact with the outside world, not only computer world, so the applications, etc., but also the outside world in real life, while our eyes are the window to this real life. And that's why gaze, that's why we invested basically not only money, but also a significant portion of our lifetime. What's one of the most fun applications you've seen for implementing this technology? You mentioned gaming, for example. Are there any other fun uses? We did some crazy things in, in terms of prediction based on your gaze, where you find, for example, your car. You have millions of possibilities to uh, combine your favorite car in terms of uh, the color and, and, and all that stuff. That I just don't de know the English expressions for this. You just use your gaze. And the, the, the funny thing is, it's um, it doesn't matter if, if you're a native English or native German or, or whatever, your gaze is always the same. And we created an application that basically reduced uh, the number of possible cars and understood what you're interested in. If this is like um, the size of the trunk or if this is you're interested in uh, low CO2 emission, etc. And based on this, then we we did proposal to of three cars. And the crazy thing is that it, it really worked. The people stand in front of it and like just 
looked um, for like 30 seconds uh, on, on, on the results. And then we came up with ideas and they were like, whoa, I was really, that was really what I was interested in. And this is, um, this is the fascination if, if you see people for the first time to do this technology. And it, it's, I'm, I'm always happy to be out there and, and, and see new users and talk to new users because, I mean, I'm using this for, for many years now. And for me, it felt like, yeah, normal, right? If I sit in front of a computer that has no gaze control, I think, okay, whoa, wow, what is so super lame here, right? And this is, yeah, but it's 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 always, uh, if you are familiar with one thing, then uh, you don't want to miss it anymore. What excites you about how this technology might impact the workplace? One thing that I, I always find um, very interesting is that <laughs> if you if you produce something on the shop floor, Today, you, you use your hands to produce something, to assemble something or to do quality control and hold it in your hands, turn it around and, and look at it. Using your gaze to, to control the, the terminal there and to acknowledge a step or to scroll or zoom in a PDF, that is something that is, um, I, w- I would say, if you look at the, 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 the shop floor with the, you know, the dirty machines and all that stuff, that's sometimes a little bit old school and then there's this new technology to just use your eyes to control something though there's this it's a it's a nice and crazy difference this is this is what i like do you have a good story about a new user discovering the technology for the first time that you could share with us i remember this one woman and she said she was like mid-50s and she said she was totally happy because she said it's the first time that i can go back to my teenage son tell him about something that he didn't even know about when she said okay i'm controlling my computer with mice and he was like what are you doing mom you're kidding me and that's in the end is technology right but in the end it's about making our human life easier and more fun that's what drives me and us as a team it sounds like you're doing just that Before we wrap up, could you talk a little bit about the importance of data and how that helps you and the team improve the technology over time? I once read this sentence that was like, um, if you want to learn swimming, you need to have water, right? Otherwise, it's just um, theoretical things. And the same is if you don't have data, you can think how something will should work. But if you once you have the data, you will understand, okay, I did not think about this corner case and not that and etc. So collecting the right data is um, super important. And for us, it's using interaction data. Everything is um, completely from from a a GDPR context and from a data privacy context. That's super safe because, I mean, we're in Germany and uh, the the data privacy here in Germany is um, very important. And that's that's good, like it is. On the other hand, it's also not important what a single user is doing. What is important is what is a group, a significant large portion of people doing. That's what you want to go for. How is your data collected? We have a, we have a dedicated uh, pilot phase where we collect data for, for several weeks, that the KPI phase I mentioned earlier. And everything is completely um, pseudonymized uh, and aggregated, so everything's fine here. And the, the data we see here and collect here helps us to not only strengthen our the algorithms, but also to identify areas that help to 
if this is automated or to help to well make daily life easier, more efficient, and we see where people struggle. So, when, for example, we talk with other vendors, we talk um, about uh, integration, so a deeper integration. I said earlier, we don't need to have patched software, that's right. But if you connect it deeper and you can use the case information as an input for the software itself, you can do additional magic things. So you can, if this is preloading information based on what you probably are interested, so you you reduce wait waiting time. You use this prediction in order to reduce the length of search results. So you again you reduce search checking time, yeah, etc. So it's always again back to the human about uh, making the life easier and and um, and the daily work faster. It sounds like there's no shortage of benefits from efficiency to a more comfortable work environment. The great thing is that everybody is benefiting from this new technology, right? So from the advantages here. And this is um, why I think it's it's important to collect the data for a dedicated time frame and um, use it for meaningful stuff. I think that's a great place to end things for today. Thanks so much for sharing the inner workings of this technology. It's great to hear what's on the horizon. Thanks also to our listeners for tuning in to today's episode. Join us next time for more discussions about the latest in design innovation and software applications. I'm your host, Jennifer Piper, and this has been Next Generation Design.